and welcome to PCTY Talks. I'm your host, Sherry Simpson. During our time together, we'll stay close to the news and info you need to succeed as an HR pro. And together, we'll explore topics around HR thought leadership, compliance, and real life HR situations we face every day. Welcome to season three. Uh, Last year, we started off season two of the podcast interviewing Sean about digital transformation. Um, If you aren't familiar yet with Sean's work, he's the author of a New York Times bestseller called Digital Destiny, How the New Age of Data Will Transform the Way We Work, Live, and Communicate. He's taught in George Washington University's MBA program, holds an economic degree from Brigham Young University, and is extremely passionate about helping executive teams unlock innovative thinking. Um, I'll definitely include a link in the show notes to Sean's website, but I'm pretty excited to have him back on the show again today to continue this conversation around digital revolution. So Sean, thanks again for joining me. So glad to be here with you. You know, nothing has changed since we talked last. Right. (laughs) Uh, Or everything has changed. So um, let's get started with some assumptions. When I think about our conversation last time and the assumptions we're making around digital, where do you see us taking a step backwards? Where do you see us taking a step forward in the current landscape? Yeah, I mean, if you look over the last 10 months and the impact that COVID has had on our society and and businesses and how we operate, it really was an accelerant of the digital transformation that we talked about last time we we were on the podcast together. And so in many ways, the COVID didn't necessarily change things, but it accelerated it significantly. You can think of something like e-commerce, which was growing about 1% uh, of overall retail a year. So it was gaining, you know, it's kind of slowly gaining traction. And that had been true going back the last decade, since about 2009, 2010, it was gaining about 1% of of retail sales. And then we saw in eight weeks, it kind of shoot up significantly as we all went indoors and started ordering online. And so we saw, you know, a decade's worth of growth happen in eight to 10 weeks. And obviously supply chains had to catch up with that. They they were struggled there uh, early on, but kind of caught up very quickly or have worked to catch up. And, and we see that kind of phenomenon happening everywhere where digital tools, digitization was already starting to grab hold and starting to to be implemented. And everything we saw with uh, with COVID caused an acceleration of that. And we're really just getting into it now. I mean, it it is a once in a century type transformation, once in a century type acceleration. And we moved quickly, but I think there's still a lot more that's yet to come in the years ahead. We're actually internally working on a workshop all about automation. And I don't think we could have been able to provide that kind of content um, if we hadn't seen such a dramatic change, you know, over the last year. How do you see digital tools being able to help or hinder um, some of the things that have come out of of, um, the recent year around diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives? Yeah, I I think what we see from digital tools, what we're learning about digital tools and, and technology is that it is not neutral. So there is positives that it that can bring and and obviously negatives there's externalities that we have to guard against so I, i'm actually quite optimistic about 
the ability of technology to improve diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, obviously, we have to guard against some of the, the externalities. We're seeing things like AI recruitment tools that should hopefully help us uh, avoid and overcome some of the biases that have been in recruitment processes for for decades. Now, we have to make sure that the the data we're using to power those tools is fair to social economic groups, that it it uh, aligns with the goals that we have. Uh, If we're just grabbing data that's that's a, a mirror of the way we've always implemented recruitment tools and techniques, then we have the, we run the risk of carrying those biases into the software program. So we want to guard against that, but I think there's a a lot of opportunity there. Uh, So, you know, AI recruitment tools is one, I think workforce analytics and the data around our workforce can obviously really help us. You know, when we're, when we're doing this, we're looking at setting goals for our diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, for the for the year or for the decade, and then we have to start to capture data around that to see if we are we are doing that. So you think about not just compensation, but but are there patterns in the way our employees are using the benefits that we offer, and do those align with the goals that we have around diversity, equity, and inclusion? Are or do we have certain employees that are only using certain benefits. And so are, are we, uh, you know, we think we're offering these great benefits, but maybe they don't align with some of our overall goals. So I think that, um, that is an area that we really haven't fully utilized, but uh, I think workforce analytics is really going to give us a lot of insights into our, our workforce and the, the patterns of our workforce and our organization really help us understand whether we're successful or not. Talking about AI, have you seen any shift in um, educational institutions and how they're training software engineers to create software to be more diverse in the way it it thinks? Uh, Yeah. And I mean, ultimately, what will power these these AI platforms is the, the data. And so we need to make sure that we're using data that is, is consistent with the organization we want to be a part of the organization that we want to build the society that we want to live in. And uh, I think we've seen in recent years, as we've uncovered some of these results that it, it, that some of the data we have used has inadvertent biases in it. Um, not, and and some of these aren't even you know intentional by by programmers or developers designers, but they seep in because of the the data that's being used. Mm-hmm. And so the, the the data and ensuring that it aligns with our goals and that it's fair to all of our employees is is extremely important. And it's something that we're going to have to continue to monitor throughout time because these these programs are designed to evolve as the data changes, as the data reveals new insights. Um, I think the other thing that that COVID brought is that it changed some of these patterns. And so uh, some of the tools that we had been using uh, are, are broken by that because the, the data changes, the pattern of the employees changes. And so we'll need to recalibrate these programs and, and uh, techniques and, and tools to ensure that they still align with what we're trying to achieve. 
Um, you could not have set up my next question any better. <laughs> um, but when I think about, you know, what HR and business professionals have gone through in the last year, uh, we've really focused in on data in so many different ways. You know, one of the things that we use data right away for was um, what additional benefits do we need to provide to those that potentially have school age children as they go through the pandemic. So how do you see or what encouragement or advice do you have for HR professionals to really start to um, live in data and leverage data better in making decisions? I think that's a great point that there are a, a slew of new benefits that we could offer because the environment has has changed both temporarily and in some cases uh, likely permanent. And so we need to make those adjustments. First and foremost, organizations need to ensure that their their data is organized, structured, and, and well-kept. Every organization is sitting on a tremendous amount of of information, and we just mentioned it about workforce analytics. But if you don't have the data available to really look into that, to really explore it, to really understand the patterns that exist under the surface, then you're not going to be able to employ these tools as effectively as you could. So first and foremost, you've got to get your your data uh, in order. And data comes in lots of different forms and factors. And so companies and organizations need to realize that there's lots of places that data will show up and there's lots of ways in which data can show up within your organization. And we saw some, you know, kind of really amazing uses of data in the early months of the pandemic. Companies like Apple were releasing their their map query data. So you could look at mobility and whether people were, were moving around. Obviously, TSA was publishing how many people were traveling through TSA checkpoints so you could look at how travel had changed. So there's there's lots of data in every organization that will inform executives and, and HR professionals on the current state of the organization and what needs to change in order to, to really achieve the goals that they've set for that organization. You know, one of the things that we, we try to help people with is um, really embracing digital and and so I wanted to ask this question, you know, thinking specifically about industries that are um, not done in the office, right? You know, manufacturing, retail, agriculture. How do you see um, digital coming to life there? And in addition to that, how can we help HR professionals that are supporting those industries make that move for employees to to start thinking about their environments more digitally? After the pandemic, every company is a digital company and every company is a technology company. It's something we've talked a lot about, but I think companies really felt it in the early months of the pandemic. Companies that had really shied away from digital tools and, and digital technologies were forced to embrace those tools in the immediate aftermath of the pandemic in those early months. And you can think of your local restaurant that really didn't like to do delivery or didn't have an online order form. Now, all of a sudden, they were they were forced to develop those tools in, in days and in weeks. I think the other thing that, that we revealed in all of that change that took place in those early weeks was that it wasn't enough just to embrace the digital technology and to implement the digital technology, but underlying 
patterns within the organization, underlying operational procedures, they all changed as a result of of implementing that technology and of, of grabbing that technology. So it isn't enough just to say, okay, I'm going to adopt this digital tool. I'm going to implement it. Here's what our, our employees are going to do now. But it changes the organization fundamentally. It changes the organization forever as you start to implement these digital tools and these in these digital techniques. So you need to recognize that you will become a different company by uh, by implementing these tools. And so you'll need to make constant adjustments as, as it relates to this new company and this new organization that you're becoming. Your role as an HR executive will fundamentally change as you implement some of these digital techniques and as you implement some of these, uh, you know, as you start to leverage the data that now is available to you. And so you need to think about, you know, how we change and, and what your new role will be. Yeah. We've been talking a lot about, you know, HR moving into this marketing space, but I really think that with the recent changes and, and how, you know, 2020 has been the year for HR in a lot of ways that, um, you know, 2008 was the year for CFOs. It's like HR now is at the forefront of digital transformation in their organizations and leveraging data and being the people that say, let's go back and look at the data, right? Um, where we necessarily weren't the people who um, organizations look to, to, to drive that cause. So um, I find that really interesting, that shift. Um, so you recently published an article in December for IPC about the economic outlook for 2021. And um, what do you see as the most important thing for HR professionals to be thinking about now after a year of increased unemployment, economic downturn, social unrest? What are kind of should be top of mind for us? So I think, you know, hitting on your your last comment, we have seen an elevation of the HR executive. And that is something that I think is going to continue. We I think we talked about it the last time we were together on this podcast that as we automate some of these these routine tasks, as we uh, distribute some of those those tools to the employees so that they can essentially self self select what they uh, what they want and what they need and then they can self manage some of their benefits and, and other things it ultimately elevates the hr professional that they can now focus on higher level uh, tools and and higher level techniques they can focus on the strategy of the organization and they can align themselves more closely with the, the strategy of the organization. So now as you look at where we are today with uh, many workforces being remote and distributed, that that uh, some of that will come back. Obviously, we will go back to offices. Organizations have these, these big investments and they will utilize them. So we will be going back to the office, but it, it might be different. And so what does that start to look like? There's been a lot of talk about, you know, hybrid workforces. And so what digital tools will, will we use to engage our workforces in, in different ways? Uh, I, you know, I think one of the things we're going to see is the, the rise of a lot more off sites, if you will, if you're, if your organization is always, remote and fully distributed, you're going to still want to bring them together. And so uh, you're going to use these tools to bring them together in, in kind of unique ways for learning, for growth, for engagement. Um, I, I think as we think about the workforce of the future, 
HR executives need to think about how am I going to engage this workforce? What are the the tools and techniques that I'm going to use to engage this workforce? And then the flip side of that coin is how do my executives manage a distributed workforce? We've spent so much time focused on what tools do I need to give my employees so that they can work remote, but we haven't spent an equal amount of time working with managers and executives and ensuring that they are capable of managing a a remote and distributed workforce, which is a very different skill set than managing somebody who's working in the office next to you or down the hall from you. And so uh, we really need to think about what, you know, what that looks like. So I think there's, there's two sides of, of the same coin is how do I train my executives and my managers so that they are effective? How do they manage things like productivity? How do they measure productivity? How do we look at those type of things? You know, it, we, we used to look at, are they in the office at nine o'clock? Are they there till five o'clock? Are they, are they sitting in their desk? Um, the, the pandemic has obviously been a very stressful time for many people, as, as you noted already, especially for people who are in in uh, the the environment of working from home while also managing their kids' education from home and, and other things like that, and we've all we've all felt the the stress and the pain of that. Um, and so, you know, what are the what are the right ways of managing that workforce? Do we provide flexibility, but also some amount of rigidity so that others can? plan accordingly? And what are the, the kind of the tools and the data that help us manage that, that workforce? And then, you know, the, and then the other side is on the employee. How do we ensure that they're still engaged? How do we monitor them? We have historically used, you know, nonverbal communication to really measure is somebody content in their job? Are they discontent? Are they happy? Are they not happy? And it's much harder to do those things in a virtual setting. So I think HR executives are going to need to look at new tools, new techniques to measure engagement and to uh, to drive engagement within their organization. Yeah, I was uh, as you were talking. I was um, I was thinking about some of the things that we've we've struggled with and um, some of the tools and things we've put in place to help our managers do that exact same thing, like. How how do you start to think about results oriented work? You know, how do you start to think about different ways to keep people engaged, especially, you know, I think we've all really embraced zoom and all the other tools that are out there, but now we're reaching this point where people are getting like zoom fatigue. Right. And they're like, do I have to be on video? Right. Can we do this as like a walking meeting? So even that is starting to change the way we're thinking about, you know, what tools to use when. I, th- I think the pandemic really, really shined a light on some of the the cultural norms and societal norms that existed within an, an organization, and you know forced some of those to change. So to your point, we haven't really yet solidified what the societal norms are when you get a Zoom link. Does this mean we're definitely going to be on video? Are we maybe going to be on video? Do I need to dress up? Do I need to dress down? You know, we haven't we haven't established what the norms are. And so I think that's a really great place for HR executives over the next years to define what some of those norms should be, to put some parameters around uh, those those what those norms might be. And I think employees will appreciate that guidance and and understanding. So if it's you know, if it's there's obviously a, 
a delicate nature there between mandating what must take place and suggesting what could take place. But I think there's a, a lot of uh, very fruitful work that could be could be um, exerted in those areas around what the social norms are and, and the organizational norms are when it comes to digital tools. I love that idea. I think I'm going to start adding that to my Zoom invites. <laughs> Dress casual, cameras optional, <laughs> uh, just to set the stage. I love that. I think that's really important. So, um, you know, as our first episode of 2021, I thought it would be fun to end our discussion on a lighter, more personal note. Um, and I didn't prep you for this question in advance, so hopefully I'm not taking you too off guard. But um, I see in your background that you enjoy climbing 14ers. Uh, my husband is actually a 14er climber as well. He's already done about nine out of Colorado's 58 peaks. So uh, I'm curious, what mountains do you have on your list to complete this year, if any? Well, that is a good question. So I still have a, a lot of the, the <laughs> most of our 14ers in the U.S., as you know, are in Colorado. So I still have a lot to complete. Um, I'm hoping to be out there in July uh, if not sooner. So I'll be, uh, climbing those in July. Um, and, uh, you know, there's Yale peak and some of the, some of the, um, other Harvard peaks are some of the ones that are on my list, but really, uh, kind of any and all of the 14 years, <laughs> uh, it's, it's a very Colorado thing. I'm based in DC, so I don't get the opportunity to get out and climb them as often as I would like, but, um, but they are all on my list. That's awesome. Well, maybe we will see you there. We uh, we plan to be out there in July as well. He has a couple, uh, five, in fact, this year, he's going to tick off his list. Awesome. So, yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, July is a wonderful time to be out there. I've done some winter ascents as well. And um, those can, in some ways, they're nicer because they're often shorter because you can go straight. Right. Up the, uh, but, uh, but the weather can be brutal. So uh, July is a beautiful time uh, to be out there. Awesome. Well, Sean, thanks again for jumping on with me. As always, I love our discussion and uh, hope that we can continue to invite you back as we see digital continue to evolve and transform the world around us. This podcast is brought to you by Paylocity, a leading HCM provider that frees you from the tasks of today so you can focus more on the promise of tomorrow. If you'd like to submit a topic or appear as a guest on a future episode, email us at pctytalks at paylocity.com.